This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Cross the line. 
It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, everybody. It's, uh, it's your host, Petter Speich. I'm always joined by Brandon Hahn. And Jocelyn Sharp. And this week, guys, we got an interview with uh, Dez from Devil Driver. We could talk about their new record, Outlaws Till the End, Volume 1. It's coming out July 6th, guys. A fantastic, fantastic record. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering this record ASAP. And this week, guys, we lost uh, another giant to our to the a game. A titan. A titan, a true, a true uh, hero to us all. A, bla- a trailblazer. Yeah. I mean, like, any anything that you could say that it that that's a that's another word for uh legend yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like it we lost uh vinnie paul abbott obviously from pantera damage plan hell yeah um passed away in his sleep last night out here in las vegas um and vinnie's been living out here for over a decade now uh maybe a little longer and he's been a part of this community um on every level I can't tell you how many times I went to a show and Vinny was there, no matter how big or small. Exactly, a like band and was. shows yeah. you wouldn't even expect him to be at. Yeah, yeah. you know, like uh, there's a there's a a, a a singer out here named by the name of Frankie Perez. He's actually Apocalypticus singer when they go out on tour, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, but he's got a very good act, and he's uh, you know he, he plays on the, the casinos and stuff, and I mean. Vinny is there all the time. Yeah. There's a lounge act over at the Mandalay Bay. Vinny is watching music. Pete brought up uh, one time Filter. Yeah. I mean, it's like, would you expect uh, yeah, Vinny Paul to be at <laughs> There's Filter? a bar here called Vamped, which is like a place yes, where a yes. lot of up-and-coming bands get started. Up-and-coming. And they are no one. And Vinny would be in the front row. Right. Every show. I mean, yeah, exactly. And everybody that would walk up to him, he would stop, take a picture, do that do that Vinny Paul smirk and point into the Every camera. Every time. Every time, dude. He was the coolest. Coolest yeah. guy, uh, you know, he, he came out to my comedy shows, like made it in a point. He's like, got him and his boys, like, we're going to see Gooch. And yeah, I mean, it's like, that's the kind of guy he was like, he, he's one of those people where if you weren't smiling and you were in a room with him, he would stop and try and go, hey, buddy, what's up? Everything cool? Like, he was one of those guys that would constantly check on you. He wanted everyone to be in a good mood. Yeah. Everyone. He was it's, really funny, too. Yeah. He told really funny stories all the time. He was just a really good dude. Like the one time I did actually, I was always so intimidated to talk to him. Like he's a legend, like, and you grow up like me, my entire life. I've been listening to Vinnie Paul mm-hmm. my entire life. And when I did finally get the guts to approach him and get a picture, my boyfriend and I at the, the first time I saw him at hard rock and he didn't, there wasn't like, sometimes you go to approach a celebrity and ask for a picture and there's a moment where you're trying to like catch their eye Yeah, and he would be almost like he was waiting for somebody to talk to him. Like right. he wouldn't make you catch his eye. Right. He would say he would see you coming and he would talk to you before you were even near him. So he was just like really genuine and nice. And I, I never had a bad experience around him. He's the first person ever to make me feel, cause uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, I brought it up before I work on uh, comp 92.3 out here in Las Vegas. It's the rock station. And, uh, Benny would always like my buddy Dennis Huff. He would always be over at Vinny's house hanging out because they were very close. Vinny and Dennis were very, very close. And Dennis is the guy that does the uh, the sounders for our show. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. He's, he's he does he does the voice. He's the one that introduces Metal, Metal Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's the guy. That's that does the voice. guy. Yeah. And uh, De- and Dennis would always call me up. He's like, "Hey, dude, they're cranking comp. You know what I mean? Make yeah. sure make sure you you know uh, just let them know. You know so." You know, and I was, and I would always try and sneak in a hell yeah song, you know, yeah. I mean? just to let Vinny know that I was, that, that I, that I appreciated it. But, uh, the very first time and the only time I ever felt like, uh, 
that my job mattered to people. You know what I mean? Because again, when you, when you, when you listen to radio, you know, like, I mean, we're talking about a percentage of a percentage of the people that you, you know, you hear back from. Yeah. Okay? Because like no, nobody, no, nobody you're, calls. You're entirely disconnected exactly, from your audience. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, one time we were at the hard rock cafe. This is a long, long time ago. And, uh, maybe eight years ago. And, I saw Vinny and I go, hey, Vinny, I just want to let you know, man, I love everything that you do. Uh, you know, I work over on comp and, you know, we play hell yeah all the time. And he goes, comp? He goes, which one are you? And I go, well, you know, my nickname's Gooch. I work from." And he goes, Gooch? I fucking know you, bro. And then he goes to his friend, he goes, hey, this is Gooch over here. Like, it's like, this fucking, I listen to you all the time. And it was like, it, it was it was one of those yeah. moments where it was like, you know, it, it, it really, it, it, it was one of those things where it's like all the hard work that I put into it all the sacrifice that I put into it. It's like, you know what? People, people are listening. Yeah. You know I mean? Cause without are, feedback, it's like, are people really even exactly, listening to what I'm doing? Exactly, or am I screaming into the void? Exactly. You know, yeah. and, and Vinny and Vinny made me feel like what I did mattered. Yeah. You know, it's like, a just as a person, he was just a beautiful person. And then you, you, you see the outpouring of support on social media. Like there was a video of Sebastian Bach, you know, he just found out the news and, you know, and he recorded himself just giving a tribute to Vinny. And I mean, this guy is bawling. Yeah. You know, he's bawling. And it's like, and it, that, not to mention like the tribute that Zach Wilde put out. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like, there's, there's so many, he is Geezer a Butler. I yeah, mean, the legends of the legends. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like the legends that he looked up Paul to. Paul Stanley. Yeah. Van Halen. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone dudes, he touched, yeah. he left a good mark on. Yeah. And Every single person. And he did. And, and he was always in a community like Las Vegas. That's very small with this rock and roll or metal community. You got very few guys that are, are like Vinnie Paul that are open and, and always wanting to take a picture, you know, and always wanting to be cool and, and all that things. Which and is hard to be in a town where... That it, is very hard to do. People cannot downplay that. Yeah, you know? yeah. this is a town where celebrities are accessible. Vegas is this weird thing where if you see a show, you you have immediate access to the person afterwards, usually. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, and, and you're out, and you're going to... Celebrities want to hang out and do Vegas stuff, too. So you're going to be running into them at craps tables and at buffets yeah. and stuff. And so the amount of times that he's going to be approached is astronomically more than any other place he could live in the world. And he's still happy about it every single time. I remember being at a Golden Knights game and Vinny Paul was there and he went to a mall out here, uh, the majority of them. And I do remember like every single person, he was just waiting in line probably to get a beer or something like that. Every single person rolling up on him and on his way back after his beer, every single person rolling yeah, up. Probably yeah. missed half the game. Probably missed half the game just trying to get one beer, you know, or two beers or whatever like that. Going back there, he stopped for every single person. He's got his Dallas Stars jersey on, you know, and all that stuff. So Last he, time I saw him, he switched over to I Vegas. know, dude. Yeah. You know what? Actually, actually, I was going to bring that up, too. I go, so the next started, time we saw yeah. him, yeah. I think he had I, a Knights jersey on, but <laughs> yeah. I think he's a Dallas stars, Star guy. I, I think if the, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's Stars number one, but Vegas was, was number right two. There yeah. now. He, did have a, he did have a Golden Knights jersey. And for those of you that right. don't yeah. know, if you are Dallas Stars fans, uh, Vinny and Dime both wrote uh, the Dallas Stars song that the Stars come out to and sing. I mean, yeah. th- and skate. Like, the sk- when they skate yeah. around the ice as soon as they introduce him, you know. Dallas stars. And it's just like they, the two of them just put it together yeah. and, and it's, and it's, and it's forever a part of Dallas stars history. And it reminds me of an article that one, one time Vincent Axel wrote an article. I don't, I don't remember who, but they wrote like what happens when a member of Metallica dies, how will the world react? And Pantera is our Metallica for my, my generation. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they meant more to me than any of the, the records that, you know, Metallica put out. Now, obviously, 
Um, I can't say I can't say more. They mean more to they, me. They mean, but they mean uh, just as much. I was okay. at like a little. Like little, I don't want to say little kid. Like it was like a teenager's rock band concert, like a totally removed. And when Dimebag died, they stopped the concert. Yeah. And everybody was like on board. We were all like, yep, we're not watching. We're just going to sit here for a second and talk about it. And then uh, the concert was over. Like everybody just went home. Right. It was just, it completely stopped this like taking back Sunday concert. Like that's how far the reach was for love, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's, and, and Vinny is, it's the same feeling. Yes. It's the same feeling. A lot of the guys from the 90s we've talked about are, are passing away on us. A lot of the guys that we grew up with, um, out of nowhere, you know, all suddenly, all young. and Far uh, too young. So too. young. I mean, Jesus. And, you know, you look at Vinny and it's like. He, 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 from the era, that, and his mentality from the era he came with, he was a, a, a rock guy. He was a rock star. Like, like mm-hmm. interviewing Des this week from Devil Driver for the Outlaws Country album, which is coming out. Uh, July 6th but the point is is that like all those guys on that record like the that had that the Hank Williams style the Merle Haggard style the the Willie Nelson Vinny Vinny lived that life Mm -hmm. he had that style you know I don't want to say Lemmy style but even maybe like a Lemmy you know like that he was just a partier that's what he loved he was a rock star he totally was Uh, Dime as well and and, and those guys lived it and, and that's something that a lot of us will not look back and say, hey, we lived our life the way we want to live it. Yeah. You know, Vinny Paul did that. Yeah. You know, and, that's, that's and was a, kind every step of the way, which is incredible. That's what I'm saying. It's incredible like, as a rock star to stay con- that kind every yeah. step of the way. After how many people, how many... Like, that's I, huge of a rock star. One of the biggest rock stars in right. the world, in the entire world. And you still... I watched him for two, out, two straight hours in an event. He did not move from the step and repeat... <clears throat> that's the, for those of you who don't know, that's the big poster with the brand's name mm-hmm. on it of the event you're at that you take pictures at. Vinny was there for two straight hours because people kept lining up to take pictures with him. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to be there taking pictures. He was just there for the event. Yeah. But he just stood for two straight hours. Never, the smile was never fake. He was happy to see every single one of those people. Like to be the biggest rock star in the world and live a true rock star style and still stay that person, it's amazing to me. Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, it's very easy for all of us to switch from being kind to all of a sudden being reserved. Uh, you know, I'm sure every single, you know, every single giant rock star, and it doesn't matter, you know, what kind of a, what kind of songs they sing. I'm sure a couple of people have come up and ruined their night just by going, you know, man, I didn't like this bullshit. You know, and, right? You know, and then, but after you hear that for enough, you you get it start you get start to become jaded and. For Vinny, and again, I don't know if that's, I, I, I mean, look. I can't is, imagine anyone ever I can't ever imagine. That. I can't ever <laughs> yeah. imagine. But you, know, but you know how opinionated people <laughs> well, can Well, yeah, be. and people say stupid shit when that's they're drunk. Exactly, you yeah. know, and it's like, but, but for Vinny to always be like, all right, let's go, you know. Yeah. Put on that button-up shirt, make sure the chest hair was showing. Let's have a conversation. Get the bandana. He was there I mean? at that step and repeat for so long at that event that one of the event staff for the venue brought a chair over. And they found like this big velvet red chair and they brought it over and set it next to the step and repeat. So when the people were talking, Vinny could sit because he was yeah. standing there for two hours. Yeah. That's, and, it, and, and especially, I think, 
it hits, I think the, the cities that it hits the hardest in are Dallas and Vegas because yeah. when he was in Dallas, he would be doing the same shit. Yeah. He'd be going to every show, supporting every up and coming rocker, uh, giving them tips along the way. Uh, getting them drunk. Getting them drunk. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I would get you drunk. I, you got me yeah. drunk yeah. a number of times. And it's like, uh, well, and for, for up and coming entertainers, we can even relate to this on a very real level. When somebody that you look up to validates your talent or your skill in any way, that is more career boosting than anything. That confidence that you need to carry you through, like the the gift that he gave of giving all those musicians just the confidence to know that Vinnie Paul once looked them in the face and said, I believe in this shit. Like, mm-hmm. it's good shit. We do this thing called the Kill Pop Awards, and it's basically like a rock award show. And the last time we did it, Vinnie won, a, won an award. And, uh, and again, this is the type of guy he is. He just stopped. He just goes, hey, guys, you know, thank you. And by the way, you motherfuckers got to get out and see Gooch. He's funny as fuck. Like, yeah. it's just like, dude, why would he do that? Right. Why would he do that? And only only a, a person that is cut from a certain type of cloth would do something he like no that. He had no, no selfishness. No selfishness in him. There was no reason for him to do that, yet he felt compelled like he felt like he felt like we were doing him the favor well he was and like, it's like no dude yeah. you won you won but he's like nope i gotta make sure that i you know i gotta make sure that you guys know that i'm the nice guy you know what yeah. I mean? well, it's I mean, like, well it's like when you're that not selfish you're like well i already got my piece of the pie there's right. a, let me get these people some pie Without a shadow, we hope everybody's listening to Pantera, Damage Plan, Hell Yeah, this week. Listening to him as a drummer, which I'm telling you right now, he is obviously, you oh, guys dude. know, just listen to dude. anything off any of these records he's done. He he was the guy, if I, I remember growing up, I'm like, I want to mimic this drummer, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of people of our generation did because of the things he did. I mean, it's like, yeah. I'm trying to think. It's First like, time I heard Becoming, I was like, what is going on with these fucking drums? Right yeah. yeah. You know, and, that, and that's just Vinnie Paul. Mm-hmm. He was an extreme talent. On every level, he was a great human being to everybody, a person that really made this scene um, seem like it was the most important, and he always made you feel like a rock star when you were next to him. And that is a priceless thing that we lost on this planet, and everybody out there without their outcries is all saying the same things. This is one of the nicest guys that we lost, um, a legacy that will not go down will not go down without without us bringing it back as much as we possibly can. So, Vinny, thank you so much from the bottom of all of us here at the Metal Sucks Podcast. And with that, guys, this July, Progressive Metal Band Redemption released their seventh full-length Long Night's Journey in Today via Metal Blade Records. With guest musicians Chris Pollan and Simone Mularoni, this is the first album since the departure of vocalist Ray Adler and features the debut of Evergrade vocalist Tom England. Pre-order Long Night's Journey in today now at metalblade.com slash redemption. Once again, pre-order Redemption's Long Night's Journey in today at metalblade.com slash redemption. And now, guys, here is my interview with Dez from Devil Driver. Hey, everybody. It's Petter, uh, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Dez um, from Devil Driver. Uh, we are here to talk about the new album, Outlaws Till the End, which is coming out July 6th. Now, with... Uh, Devil Driver and, and even Cold Chamber, you have really made covers sound like originals, especially with like Sail off of Winter Kills. What inspires right. you to cover a, a certain song? You know, it's just got to it's got to kind of stand alone, and I've got to hear it heavy. I've got to hear it done in a different light, and then that's kind of what we do to it. We take it into that light that I, you know, that I figure out it needs to be in. Um, you know, and it's been that way for for bands uh, forever, right? I mean. Um, I think that, that when bands come along and they do a cover that matters and a cover that works, 
it's instinctually done well, then it raises the bar uh, for the artist, and it also gives the listener something really cool to listen to. So um, we just over here in Devil Driver, we enjoy doing covers. I've always heard these songs heavy, so that's why they're existing in the manner that they do now with us. Well, the music is wholly pretty much original on these tracks, though. Like, you guys had to come in and, and kind of, because they're, like I said, they're heavy. These are these are metal songs to a T. Like, so what did you take from the original recordings to add that kind of, like, power to? You know, the musicians had to go to the originals and look at the structures and look at the melody line and look at the melody line and, and that was carried through the tunes and then have to instinctually go over that and try to make them their, our own. Um, how they do that, that's a, that's a strange process. But Mike and Neil and the rest of the band, they've got a, a great handle on how to do that. Um, and, and these songs, they just they lended their light to it uh, 100%. Like you can you can hear these songs heavy in your head if you kind of use your imagination, you know, and that's what they did. Now, when you're writing just dev, Devil Driver songs, you know, or original uh, tracks, how often do you start with a melody and then have the band kind of jump around, or is the music usually written first for you guys? Uh, with Devil Driver, the the music is usually written first, and then I come in vocally. But with this, we obviously knew what the songs were going to be. So it's like, okay, what, what are we going to do? Like in the case of Whiskey River by Willie Nelson, it's like, are we going to just take it in the route that it is? Uh, no. So in, in, in our case, Whiskey River is basically a black metal tune. Um, Randy said it best when he came in. Yeah, when, when Randy came in, he was like, I don't know. I, I pictured something different, and I got dark thrown. That was his exact words. And so... You know, we, we just knew that we wanted to make this stuff sound brutal and make it sound Devil Driver heavy. And I've always heard these songs, whether it was from my parents' record collection or on the road or on tour buses or at tailgating, you know, at concerts. I've always heard these songs heavy when they came on. Um, and so it was, it was just time to go out and do something like this. Yeah, dude. Nah, that, that's, that's very exciting, I got to tell you. Willie Nelson's like a personal favorite of mine. So, um, I, I, he was supposed to come out here. I'm in Vegas, by the way. And uh, he was supposed to come okay. out here, and his tour got canceled. And now it's it's October 19, 2018. That's when he's rescheduled. And I just got my right. fingers crossed he's going to be healthy, man, because I want to see him again before he goes, you know? I don't know. Yeah, how- man, you know, and, and I, like, I was raised, like, you know, I was raised with my parents' record collection. So I got everything from The Doors and Three Dog Night and Steppenwolf, kind of, you know, 60s stuff, to, to uh, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, you know, Johnny Cash, uh, Johnny Paycheck, like, I mean, all of that. And so I came up loving everything from the blues to metal to outlaw country to punk. So when somebody was like, well, why are you going to cover outlaw country tunes? So, because those are the head tunes I've ever heard. And I know they need to be done metal. And whenever I heard Ghost Riders in the Sky, I always did like, Ghost Riders. I always heard it brutal. Being able to do that song with John Carter Cash, Anna Cash at the Cash Cabin, putting Randy Glamagod on it was like, okay, like now we're in dream territory, you know? And, and as an artist, I, I, I want to do things that are different. I want to try to shake up, you know, things. I mean, when I started Cold Chamber, it was shaking up things. When I left Cold Chamber and started Devil Driver, you know, no one was doing what we were doing at that time. And so I think for, for me, it's all about just kind of doing something different, let listener get into our heads. And I knew it was going to be three years between now and the next Devil Driver record. So 
So it's like, let's give them something really cool to listen to along the way. Because what we've been working on right now in Devil Driver World is something extremely special. I mean, we've been working on a record for almost three years. So, you know, we know we, we're going to need to give people something in between that, and that's what Outlaws Till the End is. Dude, and, and if you've seen these acts live, like, like you said, the amps aren't, you know, in your face. They're not, like, crushing like what we love in the metal world, but, like, the the power is still there just from their presence. There's like a presence to a lot of these guys you mentioned, you know, on stage. And have, have absolutely. And have you seen a lot of these guys that you're covering? Have you seen a lot of them live? I know a lot of them are older, obviously passed away. But who who on this record have you seen? No, I've never seen. No, I never seen Jennings. I never. I never seen Willie. I never saw Cash before he passed. And what a travesty! Because those guys they they wrote some of the most poignant, real lyrically real songs that ever existed i mean on the road again i mean you're kidding me right (laughs) it's one of the most poignant like songs written for any musician of any genre and i think there's something happening here in the 2000s and it's the keep happening where the, the compartmentalization of music is starting to like really not happen anymore where he's like i'm gonna be a metalhead it's like no you're really not are you listening to Michael Jackson in your car? You know, like people like to admit, especially as they listen to other tunes. And country, like somebody said to me in an interview yesterday, how does country and metal even go together? said, when you hear this record, you'll, they go together better than anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, it's total, it's fucking ice cream and whipped cream. It's like, it's just, it goes together perfectly. Uh, A thousand percent. However, we, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, get ready, man. This record is... <laughs> First of all, it's a fucking logistical nightmare. Two, Almost two and a half years in the making. Complete mm. logistical nightmare. But it's gonna... When you hear it, it's gonna fulfill everything you, you, you thought you wanted. When you hear Leaving on a Hank song, when you hear Hank 3 on his own tune, sounding like what you heard, you know, like Ozzy-ish, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, dude. When you, when you hear Randy and me on... Uh, on some tunes when you I mean when you when you hear like what Brock from 36 Crazy Fist did like I mean dude, I'm just telling you people came to the table so hard on this thing and like when I heard it I'm like it's complete metal you got the the presence and that's the thing with country and metal like a lot of the themes like even if I can say even like the masculinity and all that stuff um, I feel the same way about blues to be honest with you it's all the same. 100%. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's all very much all genuine and relatable. Obviously, you know, and like you just said, we don't want to pigeonhole. I'm not talking about like fantasy stuff, like like the lyrics of, you know, an Iced Earth record or something like that, which I'm not talking shit about. But what I'm saying is like right. a lot of metal that like we listen to, that we get that passion to, that we relate to, blues, country. That's my that's my uh, that's my record collection. Blue totally record. correct, man. Because those metal bands that are like singing about fucking dragons and shit—I've never seen a dragon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See so, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, they're talking about you know battles on the icy fields of whatever with fucking you know, battle axes, and I'm like, I never seen that. I only seen that in movies. I never lived that. But I've lived a lyric. If drinking does kill me, her memory will. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've lived. I've lived those. I've lived those lyrics. So yeah, this stuff is so. It, it needed to be done in the, in the manner in which we did it. Uh, the greatest thing was when we first started to speak about it. Everyone was like, "What? Well, they're on country. Uh, they're going to do this country record, kill people driver's career." Like, I can't let me go on. I don't know if you should have done this, man. 
I don't know if this is going to be good for Devil Driver. And I'm like, you have no idea what I'm doing. You have no clue what I've been doing. I've been working on it for two years in silence. I've got so many guests. I've got fuck. I've got John Carter Cash at the Cash Cabin. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. And that same person that I got in that conversation with, I sent him the record four days ago. The email was fucking a mile like. Oh, I should have never doubted you. I know you all like to shake up the mix. You're fucking phenomenal. When they're going to freak out. And you know, that's exactly what I needed to hear. As an artist, you kind of, you live in this, you live in this book while you're making this kind of artwork. And people are like, like I said, oh, it's going to be clean. And you know, it's going to be country. Oh, they're going to try to go to the radio. I mean, I had one cat call me and say, this is a perfect opportunity for Devil Driver. And I went, what do you mean? Oh, it's a perfect opportunity. If you get country stars on this thing and you do something that can go to radio and you make it clean singing, you could absolutely make Double Driver the hugest band if you had this country crossover hit. It was like, hello? <laughs> hello? Exactly. Hello? Because, I fu- because I fucking hung up on him. Literally hung up on him to the point where he texted me. Dude, sorry, did I say something wrong? I said, everything you said was, call me in a week. I want to talk to you right now. That's where, that's where I was with this project because the only people that were completely behind me and, and, and even knew what I was doing because the band had an idea even what I was doing. Well, my management agency and my wife, Anastasia the, at the Oracle, and my label, Napalm, who was from Austria, actually thought that we were going to go to country record and actually gave us the money to do a country record and then when they fucking heard the record in Austria, they were like, holy shit, this is the fucking most ferocious metal album you've ever written. We're so happy that this isn't a country record. And I was like, well, you still give me the money to do a country? Yeah, we back anything you want to do, Des. We just, you, you know which way you're going. <laughs> and and you know? that's exactly what it is, though. They're going to back anything because any artist that's genuine is going to have conviction. They have a vision, and you don't have to put it in words. You got to create it, you know. And then you're gonna have like the business side of people saying things like that dude said to you, and that's just gonna go against what your you know your vision is. So um, correct. And I mean, if Devil Driver comes with a, something that gets active rock or radio, it's gonna happen mistakenly, like sale. Like my younger son going, I love this song, Sale. It hasn't even gotten big yet for this band. You got to cover it. We cover it. It blows up for AWOL Nation. It blows up for us. It happens in a weird happen, you know, circumstance, happenstance, circumstance, you know? And then all of a sudden it lifts the career. But if you go in and you write for the machine and you write to move the needle for the machine, then you end up in those other bands that are all over active or spitting out shitty fucking music and they can have their money. They can have whatever legacy they think they're leaving themselves. They're fucking, they're not leaving anything worthy that's going to stand the test of time. And I've always been kind of an artist and it's been the same way with Colt. If we made it to the radio, we made it on our own. If Devil Driver made it to the radio, we made it on our own. We never wrote for that beat. We never wrote for that machine. And that's the same thing with Outlaws till the end. This thing is the biggest little finger I've ever fucking put up in my life. Because I have no time for bullshit. I'm, and I'm just, I'm at the age when I don't care. I'm going to release everything I want to release. Like, even what we're getting ready to release after this, people are going to be like, whoa, what the fuck is happening? Because I'm just, I'm, and now it's time to turn the fucking needle and, and turn it on hard, you know? Um, 
and be be legitimately uh, true to yourself, man. I mean, I've always been that guy, anyways. But especially with this kind of a record, that you had to you had to just be true to yourself and know that on the other end, what was going to come out. And 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 sure enough, I mean, that's why I asked you if you heard the whole record because. You know, when you get to the last song, you wish there was five more. Well, I and that's what I love about this middle finger is that on the press release it says volume one. So you're already planning a volume two, correct? Correct. And the, the reason that happened, dude, this thing was so weird. I was like, look, I'm gonna do this and the only people I want on this is John Carter Cash, Hank Three, and Randy. I said, That's it. And if I can get a punk rock cat, because I grew up on punk rock and, and, and goth way more than I grew up on like Metallica, I go, I'm gonna get somebody like that. You know, if I can get a Dave Vanian or a Peter Murphy, you know, but I got leaving. It's like, holy fuck, godfather of punk rock. And I've been, you know, lucky enough in my life to do songs with Ozzy and Six and, and Sonlo, you know what I mean? But like working with Ving, holy shit. Like I was in the studio with leaving. That's all I got to say. Like, so this thing, I, I, I didn't know how it was going to exist. People just started calling me. Yeah, I heard you doing this. I'm available. Hey, I'm not available, but I want to do it next time. And that's why the volume two thing came along because like, the very first person that I called as well was Danzig. And Glenn was like a you know, close friend of mine, my first tour ever. I look up to him fucking above a lot of people. That guy's always treated me with immense respect and I feel the same way back to him. And he was like, I'd love to do this. I'm getting so caught up with my record I'm doing right now with this misfit stuff, but no doubt you know he'll be around for the second one if we do it. And that, that's what happened. I started getting calls from a lot of other artists. Like, if you're doing a number two, count me in. And four or five of them were so big that I literally said to them over the phone, on speaker, looking at my wife, you're telling me if I do a number two, you're for sure going to do it? And they're like, for sure. And so we, we last minute put volume one on the artwork. That, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, that means, like I said, it shows the conviction that any artist needs. Like, I remember hearing in an interview... Uh, it might have been with the previous hosts on this podcast um, about how like you spent some time with Phil Anselmo before Devil Driver happened and you saw how he just his work ethic with keep writing stuff and keep writing stuff and keep writing stuff. And then he has uh, a different project, it seems like every four or five months, you know, is that something right, that you feel right. like you're heading kind of towards as a vocalist? No, man. I mean, look, I can't, uh, I don't like split myself so hard that you don't know what's on like oh you know i mean you know you know that's a million projects and it's just like that's how he can do it i can't i have to lend myself so 100 percent to a project that i i can have a few of them but i can't have a ton at once and but work ethic does come in where where you know where you want to do what you want to do that's the bottom line there you know and uh you know and you mentioned like you know early on i mean like i mean i learned how to fucking scream you know, like living at Anselmo's house in his basement, screaming on Viking Crown. So from there, you move in. You, know, you move into like territories of like, cool. I've got these new voices. I've got stuff that I do. What do I want to do? You know, we ended up at Outlaws till the end. <laughs> Years later, covering country tunes. You know, it just you got to do what you love. You do what comes to comes to your heart. You do. You know, you do what you want to do as an artist. You got to have your Doberman be quiet. Yeah, have you? <laughs> <laughs> so, he's, it, trust me, I love dogs. If it was a cat meowing, I'd be like, "Des, we got to stop for a second <laughs> I've, got, I've got four. I got four cats to rescue, and I have great Dame and the Doberman to rescue. And the Doberman's the problem. But yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, like an artist like 
like him as well. Like, I mean, he, he does a lot of different things. I mean, I, I have to give myself 110% now saying that, knowing there's a volume too. Like, am I looking forward to it? Fuck, bro. It was, like I said, this was almost two and a half years in the making. This thing fucking almost gave me a heart attack so many times. It was logistically a complete nightmare. Okay, cool. I can fly you in here. Okay, I can fly in there. Okay, we can both fly in. Okay, I can fly in the band here. Okay, you're only available here. I'll fly in the night before. We'll try to get it done. You know, God bless it that people came to the table. Um, you know, Randy, Randy's actually getting ready to fly out here this weekend to serve four days because he's partnering Unfault with me, my, my other business. But him and I are going to uh, back retracts and stuff that, uh, for video. You know, that we didn't get done. But what happens if you would have said, I can't do that, I'm, I'm gone on tour, I'm whatever, now there's no video for thing. So everybody and every artist, this is what humbles me throughout this project, is it wasn't just Dez leading the pack. It was like every time I placed a phone call, if the person could do it, they were on it. They were like, cool, I'm on it. Here's the date you can book my ticket. I'm not going to say no. Like, so that humbled me. A, a massive deal, man. And... You know, like I was at the Cash Cabin singing with John Carter Cash and Anna Cash. And when we finished, I signed the mantle at the Cash Cabin that Johnny Cash put up next to Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson. And I signed it in fucking black, black Sharpie, dude. It's going to be, it's right in the dead center. It's the only big black metal mark on the whole fucking country western mantle. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like, and even John Carter said it. We don't do much of this kind of music here. This was the, uh, you know... This was something I loved. John Carter's a massive metal fan. I pulled up to that cash cabin. First half an hour was spent him telling me his love of heavy metal and how his dad took him to see Ozzy when he was 10. And he showed me photos. And I went on and on about how I love cash, how I love his father's words, how I love outlaw country. Like, it was a meeting of the minds, totally. Those are the things that I pull out of this. Like, humble, man, working with those artists. Like, humble being able to be in the cash cabin. Like, fucking so humble the fact that any of these cats would jump on this record I mean John Carter Cash like especially like the fact that him and Anna Cash jumped on a song is like it's, a, it's Johnny Cash's son dude I don't really you know it's not much more to say exactly you know? and that's the thing about like bucket lists when people say that I'm like like that moment you just had uh, you don't write a bucket list you just live and they happen you know what I'm saying like that is absolutely like whoever would have thought that in a million years that you would have been on the same no yeah, no and, and you know Correct. Yeah, I agree. And like, and another thing too is like, you know, I have a management agency, the Oracle. Uh, we've got a ton of bands. We do great work. We've got other managers over here and this agency is growing just massively. But had, had I not done this within my own agency with my manager, Anastasia, who's schooled by the likes of, you know, every, every woman manager out there that's big, right. That's actually done something with her. We have never been able to get this thing done. Never. Never in a million years, if I had somebody else managing me, would this have gotten done because I know how other managers are. Like, okay, cool, I'll get to that next Monday. And I'm like, no, dude, I just got off the phone with him. If you don't call him in 10 minutes, it's not going to happen. And so those kind of things are, are the reason why this, this happened because we were so in touch with the project. It was not a manager calling. It was directly me calling John Carter Cass. It was directly me calling Lee Ving. The first time I got on with Lee Ving, I was literally, and I don't, and this doesn't happen to me. I was like shaking, bro, literally shaking. And he got on the phone with me and started singing fucking Hank Williams tunes to me. 
This is my rock icon. I ran away from home when I was 15 with a beer shirt on, telling my fucking stepfather to go fuck himself. And this dude is singing to me on the phone. These are the things that happened out of this project that people need to hear. And just like, oh, yeah, we got a lot of great guests. It's a real heavy metal record. It's like, no, for me personally, I lived moments in my life where I'm like, okay, cool. Now, now I understand, like, really, truly what it is to, to step back and look at your life as an artist and go, good God, what's happening? It's they, just... they played like a month and a half before the, the Growlers, and each me and Randy went up to three songs. And, and I got off stage, I got off stage, and my wife was like, did you just sing with fear? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, I just fucking sang with fear. And fucking Randy, like, Songs. Like, these are the things that, as a, as a musician, as an artist, that, that happen to you along the way that are way more gratifying than anybody putting a fucking check in your pocket, ever. Or or coming on stage in front of 100,000 people, which I've done a ton of times. Like, it's, those things don't mean anything to you at the end of the day compared to something like, like the things that have happened to me through this record. Not only that, but the people that have reached out to me going, come, you didn't ask me. I'm like, I don't know. Why would I ask you? You're in one of the biggest hardcore bands. Or what would I ask you? You're in the biggest this band. Or because I fucking love country. It's like, what? You love country? Oh, well, you could never say that. Now it's going to be cool. Now it's going to be cool for you to be talking to the kid that's in a hardcore band that goes, oh, fuck, I love Louie Nelson. Oh. You know? and, and I've always broke I've always broke genres, man. I just don't give a fuck. Uh, you know, when we came out with Cold Saber, it was like, guys are heavier than I'm, I'm more inspired by Bauhaus. And they're like, huh? Coco does not, like, it's inspired by Bauhaus. Like, but it is. And it's heavily inspired by Sisters of Mercy and Bauhaus. <laughs> you know? I think coming together, blending genres, and, and not being this uh, purist my whole life has fucking helped me, my career, and people who like my music. That's for sure. It's why you're still around for sure, too. I mean, you got to think of like being a lifer in this genre, like you have to be yourself and you have to, you know, because that's what's genuine. When they say write what you know. Right, or, 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 or it could or it could have killed me, right? I like, mean, in, yeah. in reality, not playing the game and not being a purist and not watching, you know, the fact that like, you know, when I started Devil Driver, I was wearing a Johnny Cash shirt on stage for the first three and a half, four years. And that's all people would write about. You know, oh, he's wearing Johnny Cash shirt. Like, who gives a fuck about country? Like, he's on stage at Download wearing a Johnny Cash shirt. Like, he's supposed to be in a metal band. And I'm like, you know that in your article, you're dissing Johnny Cash. Like, you're going to get in a car accident on the way home, dude. You shouldn't write that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't fuck with you don't fuck with the man in black. Like, you don't fuck with the Cash family. Now that we're personal friends with them, I totally get it. That family is fucking magic. I mean, he lives in the forest. He does nature magic for real. And so, so did that family. Like it's so anyways, it, you know, there's so many things that came from this that you want to share with the reader other than just, or the listener other than just the music. But these are the things that happened along the way that were absolutely fantastic. And now the people that are calling going, Hey, can we be part of a volume two? If you do it, that's why it's leading to a volume two. Cause it's like, absolutely. I've been wanting to work with you my whole life. We haven't had a chance. So I'll give you a call. That being said, I don't know when I'm going to be doing this, you know, I yeah. don't know when I'm going to have time. Yeah. Now with the, with most records, when you put them out, obviously there's a, a, a deep, you guys tour, you know, years on years with the, with something like this though, with the covers record, a lot of times there isn't a lot of touring behind them. What is your guys's plan? Um, after this one's released, 
as far as tours not go. not built on touring yeah at all not built on touring this thing at all we we only do one or two of the songs by ourselves like i do outlaw man by the eagles it's fucking how i always heard that song but uh, there's no guests on that. So we could do that, maybe. But this thing was not built on touring. It's whatever. We built on giving the fans something spectacular, doing something that's really never been done proper, and giving uh, Outlaw Tree and Metal together is just deserves. That being said, I'm speaking to the label about putting together a situation where we put all the singers, you know, and you got to realize, there's no person on this record has to be on tour. Putting all of them on a bus for four to five days and having a bus for the crew, all the singers and this, and going to do Nashville, LA, New York, and Vegas and doing the whole record. I don't know if it can be done this year. I don't know if it could be done next year. I don't know if it could be done in 2020, but we are now starting the emails. I started this morning to all the artists, to everyone saying, give us your schedules to the label saying, this is what we're going to try to do. I want to film it for a special I want to get someone involved for a pay-per-view special. We have we have ideas over here, and we're going to try to run with them, and we're going to see you know going to see how far we get. That being said, say in Nashville, and Hank wants to come out, or John Carter, or Anna Carter, or Anna Cash wants to come out. You know, and want to sing a song? Yeah, and we'll go ahead and do it for sure. But for Devil Drivers to go out to do two or three tunes with none of the guests on them, it's kind of uh, I don't know, man. It's taking away the love and the magic of what happened with the artists because songs are fantastic because of the artists, you know? And I did something um, that was way different. Most of the time we record the music, I do my vocals, and then we send the song to somebody. We didn't do it that way. I, I didn't want what I was going to do to affect the other vocalists. So we gave them the track. We told them their verses, their choruses, Bert Bell on his horse and on Dad's Gonna Kill Me, which is great because I gave Bert and Dad's Gonna Kill Me. But God, there's there like five on that song. There's so many words. It's incredible. But they had to do the whole tune. And then I picked where I was going to come in. He's like, hey, am I, you know, like, say Burton. He's like, cool, am I going to do the first verse or the second verse? Like, you're going to do the whole song. Then I'm going to pick whether I will do the first or the second verse. And I'm going to slip in. Some, on some sentences underneath you, words above you, slide in with you on the chorus, not use you on the chorus and use me on the chorus. Who knows? But I let the artist do the whole song. That was fantastic in itself, bro. They came with their own identity. They came with their own thing. So, like on Dad's Gonna Kill Me with Bert Bell, I haven't heard his voice sound like the first Fear Factor record ever since the record. I don't think he's ever nailed that tone ever again since that first Fury record on any records that he's done personally. And he said the same thing. So they asked him in the EVK, you know, what were you doing? And his exact words were, I was channeling my true self. So now you get artists like that that are fucking legacy artists. I signed to Roadrunner Records because they had Fear Factory and Sepultura. See what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And... Then you have a guy that's saying, oh, I just channeled my true self on a Devil Driver record with fucking doing a country song. This is how out of the pocket this has all become. It's fucking amazing. It's the crossing of, of genres, of artists, of music. It's a, it's a fantastic thing, you know, that's happened. I, just, I want people to get their hand on this thing so hard. I wish you could put it out today, but I know there's got to be fucking procedures and shit, so it is what it is. 
but in, like, because you just said like the country thing to 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 do a disrespectful version of a lot of the tunes that you guys have on here no artist is going to do that you know if you're covering like say like a, a pop song that's not doesn't have that test of time you don't have the same fear um i'm assuming but with some, no. certain songs like this it's like no we have to it, it has to be correct so i think like you said with burton there a lot of that probably came into play where he was like, all right, here are the original. He's like, nah, dude, I have to take this way more serious than doing the chorus to, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say any like pop song, but even if you're covering someone like Elton John, you know, you're going to take it more serious than opposed to a Britney Spears type song. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I, and I figured if I put these facts in there, right. And I just said, Hey, you have the second verse or Hey, all you're doing is the chorus then they're just going to get in there. They're going to do it and they're going to go to lunch. They're not going to feel what the fuck I'm feeling. So it's like, no, you're doing the, you're going to do the whole song. Wait, wait, what? What did I sign up for? You signed up to do the whole song. And then I'll tell you where I'm going to jump in. And I'll tell you if I'm even going to use you in the verses. If you don't sound good in the verses, I'm just going to use you in the chorus. If you don't sound good in the chorus, I'm just going to use you in the verse. Everybody came to the table and slayed this track, man. Everybody. Excellent. And weird stuff happened. Like like Wednesday 13 was over here just doing an interview uh, with us, talking to us, and he you know he ended up doing a drink and don't kill me. Little did I know that's literally his favorite song. Like it's his favorite song since he grew up. It's his favorite outlaw country tune, and he says it in the EPK. He looked around and thought he was being punked. Like when I was like, hey, do you want to do a drink and don't kill me? Because it's his favorite tune, and he killed it, dude. His tone of his voice on that. I'm I'm just honored to be surrounded by really killer musicians, man, and a, and a lot of longtime cats too. You know, what is your favorite uh, covers album of all time, and why? Favorite covers album? I, I know mine because I had to think about it ahead of time. What, what what's your? I mean, just like what's yours? I'm curious. Mine's not a metal one, so but uh, Local H did uh, awesome mixtapes volume one and two. And uh, I'm telling you, like every cool. song, I felt like I heard for the first time, and it's just a drum and a guitar player. That band, and uh, they did new songs, they did old songs, they did very few hits, for you record. know. But even like an acoustic version of like "Last Caress" by the Misfits, like uh, like tuning it down, and just I mean, I thought that's that's the only like one of the few cover records I go back to all the time. And then um, like obviously like "Undisputed Attitude" like by Slayer. I'll be honest with you, it never stuck with me because I felt the tunes were too... Um, it, it felt like it was a rushed project when I listened to it for some reason, even though it was punk rock, but punk rock was always like a feel to me. Yeah, I was just like, let's say Sweet Dreams by Manson. Mm. You know? If he, he would have never had a song, would the career have been so big? Would he have jumped out so huge? Probably not. So, obviously, you know, uh, they can be used to bolster their career, right? Covers. We're definitely doing that here. <laughs> yeah. If we were, we'd have active, we'd have active rock tracks and everything else, you know. And 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 it is uh, along the lines of what some people told me to do. And I just, like I said, I hung up on them. I have a, I have a thing about like, don't tell me about my art. And I've been that way with labels. I've been that way with people all my life. Don't tell me about my art. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what I can't do. Don't tell me what's going to be bad or good. Just let me do what I want to do. Um, and 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 I think that that. Everybody came to the table so hard, man. Cool, dude. So, oh, real quick, like uh, I, I do like to touch base on kind of like themes 
and uh, kind of how they're viewed in a certain way. Like a theme in Outlaw Country is, is a genuine sense of masculinity. You know, what do you think about that? Kind of. No, I mean, I no, I never, no, I never even like put this question together oh, okay. at all with music and all. But you know, like I, coming from a kid that was raised predominantly by his a single mother, you know, around around four sisters. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like female empowerment is huge for me. I mean, I, I have I have three companies. And I don't really hire anybody with testosterone, like literally, like between my management company, uh, all of my PR agents, a lot of my agents, a lot of people we use are are women. They work harder. They have no ego. They fucking want to get it done. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? So I'm never, I'm not that guy on the other side at all. Who's like, you know, know, is masculinity being attacked? Like it should be, man. Look at fucking, look at what men have done over the centuries. Like, you know, men and religion. <laughs> it's just like fucking war. Men and religion equal war. Women do not bring war. Women bring peace. Women bring birth. Women, you know, women bring uh, a, a scenario that calms things down, you know, and so you know that that's where I stand on all that. You know? N- nice, dude. Yeah, totally. No, I agree, man. I just was... Uh... I just felt like lyrically a lot of, a lot of times, you know, uh, with certain genres, there is just that sense, you know? So it was just a, an interesting, I mean, you, you, thought, you, yeah. you, you think that you, you think that until you're at the John five show, the whiskey, Friday night, two 20 something year old girls outside with black hair past their ass, like singing the words to Metallica one as loud as they possibly can, even though the words aren't being sung, inside, he's just ripping it with the guitar. And they're fucking like as loud as they can on the corner. So there you go. There's estrogen and uh, you know what I mean. So it's it's there and it's happening, you know. And look, man, I think that what's going on right now with the whole Me Too and all that, you know, that all that needs to be happening right now. All of it, all of it, all of it, all of it, all. Of it, all of it. I'd like to see. I'd like to see a president. I'd like to see more women in. Or I know that women all around me run. They run. You know, my PR people, my management. And they don't do it with ego. And when a woman says something to you like, hey, sit down and fucking listen. You sit down and listen. When a man tells me to sit down and fucking listen, I grab him by the throat as hard as I can. And in between me choking him out, he's going to tell me why he told me to sit down and listen. Dude, (laughs) everything you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm completely in agreement with you, man. I completely agree with you on all that stuff. So, But how do we as men not react like you just said about the guy telling you what to do like how do we change that that's just kind of built in us you think at a young age oh, you can't because you, you, yeah men um, have you know men we're, we're born into this world like to be the you know you got to be the leader you're the matriarch you got to go make the money you know you're the one that goes to war you know you're the one that you know you know you're the one that makes the decisions like no not true women have been here the whole time let them make some decisions perhaps war won't happen <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I, that's actually no. a huge weight off my son's shoulders that he's unaware of. Because <laughs> like, exactly, I have to solve every problem. I have to know what to do in every situation. I have to keep everything moving. And it's like, that's just built into my head, you know? No, and it should be, I mean, look, that comes from the 20s, 30s, the 40s, the 50s, right? When we come into the 60s, 70s, no. We're just trying to try to change. And now look where we're at, right? Now we're at a place where like huge people with massive amounts of money and massive amounts of power can be brought down by women going, fucking with me. And I love it. 
I fucking love it. I love to watch it. I love to watch it happen. And that's only because, like, and I keep repeating it, because I surround myself with women. They make great fucking judgment calls. They make great uh, teachers, if you want to learn anything. And they, they're great business partners because they don't come with ego, you know, whatsoever. Uh, a man really deals with ego. You know, well, I don't know, man. I'm not going to make that decision. You know, that's going to make me look bad. Women don't do that. Like, I'm going to make that decision. That's the best decision. I don't give a fuck how I look. Let's go make the decision. Let's rock. Let's go forward. With That's compassion. scenario. Yes. With, 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 yeah, with, with hey, compassion. and not even. Like, I mean, uh, with compassion, if necessary. Mm. My wife is 98 pounds, fucking four foot eight. But if you fuck with her, you will see red eyes and a very sharp knife. You do not <laughs> want to fuck around. You know? I've seen, you know, and I've seen managers like that. I've seen Sharon Osbourne backstage at a and throw a fucking full glass ashtray at a guy's head because he said the wrong thing. Those are the women I want to be part of. Those are the women I want to be around. Uh, the first, the first, uh, the first woman pharaoh of Egypt. Oh man, um, I don't know. If do, if, yeah, if you do your research on her, man, she brought the arts. There was war during her time. She brought the country together. Like, you know, everybody was focused on life and arts and moving life forward. And then another pharaoh comes in and boom, there's war. So there you go. That's it right there. You know, um, yeah, my wife's writing. My, yeah, my wife's writing a screenplay about her right now, and I'm hoping that she gets into a movie because this woman was amazing, and this is perfect timing for it right now for people to see this. You know, hundred so, percent, dude. Yeah, no. So yeah. last question, man. Like I said, um, really excited about the new record, guys. Everybody, make sure you see the passion that Dead's even Dead's even talking about this record. Can't wait for you guys to get it on your ears. You got to hear this. Outlaws till the end. It's out July 6th, guys. So do not miss this. The last question, just want to touch base on another project that's been going around along uh, for a couple of years. I know I'm sure a lot of people ask you, but is there any update on the Born the Storm project with you and Mark Morton? I was in a weird space and I was home and I needed to do some music. We put it out. We put it out there. You know, we've talked about putting it out. We've also we've talked labels maybe as well. Uh, but He's so busy, so busy. There's so much going on. If, if Born of the Storm ever does anything, it'll be probably down the line. And I would love to have it happen. And even if it just exists in the form that it does, I think it's fantastic. Because when we did it, we didn't do it for anybody but each other. We didn't do it to get it on a label. We didn't do it to get a deal. We didn't do it to fit into any kind of genre. Um, I'm singing like I'm clean, almost like a high, even over. I just heard I should be some point. No, but it is what it is. We left it all as. So if you want to go to YouTube and check before, you guys can hear it. Um, and if anything ever does come of it, it'll be cool. Just because working with guys, I like working with people who are cool. Fuck, I'm Mark is one of those guys, you know. Same thing with Randy, man. You know? They got they got some cool from going through that fucking Lamb of God, burn the, burn the priest stuff, <laughs> you know. So as far as a new a new original material, Devil Dot Driver record, is a lot of the stuff that you were doing with this Outlaw Country record, is, is there going to be kind of like that presence on that stuff? Or have you written any material on that yet? Yeah, the, the presence as far as what we've heard with Outlaws till the end is this is some of the heaviest stuff we've ever written. And so get ready for that to be coming. As well as there's there's something happening within Devil Driver right now. That's all I got to say. Awesome. We've, we're, we're, on the way, we're on the way to looking at 38 songs right now, the next record. We're, we're overwriting. We're, we're, we're going in and revamping. We're going to make a record of our lives. We're not going in the studio until I hear the best record I've ever come up with. 
in our life. Except I don't trust no one, and you know, they, I think they delivered. And uh, when I went in to sing on that thing, I, I think they delivered. And, and the very debut and the sales that it's done, it's obviously pretty good work. So I said this thing to him this one, and, and, and we'll be going in the studio soon and, and getting ready to get some tracks. Excellent, man. Well, I got to tell you, Des, your energy, dude, is just, uh, it's just been so positive, so awesome, man. It is a blast talking to you this whole time. I mean, 45 minutes just flew by. Um, I'm super excited about this record. You have made me even more excited about it. You know, So I want to make sure everybody gets out there and does not hesitate and picks up Outlaws Till the End. Like I said, it's coming out July 6th, guys. So, Des, man, thank you so much for the talk, dude. No problem, man. Thanks for getting behind it. You know, I know when Metal Sucks get behind things that, that people listen. So we appreciate it. And everybody get out there, pick up this record. Uh, I think people are going to love it. And, and uh, thanks for a good conversation.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off the new record, Outlaws Till the End, Volume 1, coming out July 6th by Devil Driver. That is Ghost Riders in the Sky. Second song you heard is from a newer band. Uh, they're called Violent Life, Violent Death. That song is called Backbiter, and their record, Come Heavy Breathe, is out June 29th. Guys, definitely check out that band. Definitely worth your time. Um, and with that, guys, uh, like I said, everybody, make sure you're blasting Vinny Paul through your stereos this week. It's pretty much, that's pretty much it, man. Rest in peace, Vinny. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.